Do all of your tales have tales? Mine too. We all enjoy a funny story, an uplifting account, or a sweet childhood memory involving animals. That's what we're sharing on this podcast. As a lifelong animal lover like you, and a professional pet and people photographer, you can imagine I have many tales to tell. Every week, I will be premiering an episode that I narrate or have a special guest join me to share their tale. This podcast goes along with the Tales with Tales Facebook group at Silverpaw Studio, so be sure to join me there too. Now enjoy today's episode. Welcome to Tales with Tales Season 4. And as promised, we are taking a little turn in the podcast. I have been asked to temporarily co-host on the radio show Critter Patter here in Fort Collins and have been approved to re-air those episodes after their original air date. And so that's what you'll be hearing in season four on the Tales with Tales podcast. Very exciting, right? On Critter Patter, I have the opportunity to interview some very special guests in our community and around the world. For my very first guest, I had Frank Goss from Compelling Images come into the KRFC studios, and we chatted all about pet photography. Hi, Monique Renee here from Silverpaw Studio. Every week here on Critter Patter, Thursdays at 6.30, we talk everything animals. Today I have special guest Frank Goss. Welcome, Frank. Hi, Monique. Hello. Thank you for being on the show. Oh, you're welcome. Yay. So I met Frank, oh goodness, maybe five, six years ago now. I was volunteering to photograph cats at the Fort Collins Cat Rescue and found out that he was also doing it, but on a different day. And I thought, I need to also meet this person who can somehow photograph cats. Uh, So we got together and had lunch. Do you remember that? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And eventually we just kind of just started to working together. Yeah. Yeah, it just kind of works out better, and and we'll get into that a little bit, too. But let's back up just a little bit, Frank, and tell me, I'm really curious. I've never actually asked you this. How did you even get into photography? Oh, photography, that's been a really long and varied (laughs) varied process. Um, It started way back when, probably after high school. You know, my dad was kind of into it as kind of a hobby, and I, I kind of picked up on it, and then it kind of... Um, kind of faded a bit as, you know, went for a more formal career and, you know, school and all that stuff. So I ended up just having a, um, a f- small film camera, you know, an Olympus 35 millimeter film camera. camera. Uh, it worked out really well for what I was doing. And then eventually it, it died <laughs> after you now 20 or 30 years. It's, and then I said, well, I guess I have to get a digital camera. And that was like, oh. <laughs> um, so then I, I got my first digital camera, uh, Nikon, and digital photography kind of was a real, um, a real different experience than, than film. You know, you look at, you know, this little memory card, and, oh, that's my film, and, you know, my darkroom is my computer, and I don't have to smell all these you know, yucky chemicals and, and all that, and hanging out in the dark for hours and hours, and 
you know, it just kind of exploded my interest. And um, I was still working full time uh, when we first met. And, um, you know, it just kind of got more of an interest. And I, I thought, well, gee, maybe I can actually make a business out of this thing. Uh-huh. <clears throat> so I created, <clears throat> you know, compelling images. Uh, it's actually, it is a business, compelling images, photography. And uh, it's kind of taken off from there. And retired a couple of years ago, and now it's kind of my full-time career. Nice. So, I mean, I went through that same transition <laughs> with film to digital, too. I feel you there. Yeah. Um, but the learning curve, you can learn so fast, right? Yeah. 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 Which, you know, so how did you, because I think it's much easier to photograph animals with a digital camera it's a lot more forgiving. You can take a bunch. Yeah. Like with the cats, mm-hmm. when we photograph them, what made you go down and decide you wanted to photograph cats one day? I just wanted to um, help out the uh, Fort Collins Cat Rescue. You know, as a volunteer and just um, something else to to photograph. At the time, I was just photographing like everything, you know, landscapes and, you know, and people and events and everything else. And I think, well, I just photograph, photograph cats. Oh, nice. And you probably saw the need, too. Like, you have this skill, they have this need. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 That's that's really cool. Um, I think it was, I don't know how you did it when you were the only one photographing the kitties, <laughs> but since we've started working yeah. together, it's been so nice to have two people yeah. photographing Absolutely. cats. They're a whole different thing, mm-hmm. don't you think? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we have this super cool system Uh Frank will, like, get the kitty and love on him and give him all these treats. He has a pocket full of treats all the time and put them in the little studio area, and uh, most of the time I will photograph them. But then we have certain kitties who maybe aren't up for being models that day. And so we Mm -hmm. have – Frank has his whole setup where they can be photographed in their kennel doing – really cute things a lot of times, like rolling over on their bed and stretching out. And uh, it's a, I love the system that we've made for yeah. photographing the cats. Yeah, it seems, it seems to work out really, really well. It's very efficient, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I'm like, like the cat wrangler. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. And ca- I tell the people this all the time. Cats love you. Oh. What is it do you think that you kind of communicate with the kitties that they – they just walk right up to you and bop you on the nose all the time in a um, loving way. I don't know. I, I guess it's just the fact that I, I really enjoy cats. I really, really love them. And it's I try to be really calm and uh, not try to get too excited about it. You know, if they're not doing what what I want them to do. I just kind of, you know, kind of freak out. Just kind of really, really uh, appreciate who they are. Yeah. Um, it's, it's an interesting phenomenon. A lot of cats that... I think, well, they're going to be a little bit shy maybe, and you take them out, and they just give you big hugs. <laughs> they, I don't know how many pictures <laughs> I have of Frank where the kitty's just looking yeah. at him up at him all lovingly. It's maybe the shot that I'm trying to test my lights or something, and then it's so adorable how these kitties will look at Frank yeah. and just like, we love you. It's so great. <laughs> You know, one of the things that I know I don't have this on our list of questions, but I think it would be super interesting for people to know, how do we decide? Because we decide together which cat we think wants to model that day and which ones don't. How do we decide that? Well, first of all, uh, we look at the the, uh, the cage card. At the, at the cat rescue, they have color-coded uh, cage cards. 
So the green ones, we figure, well, they'll, they'll probably work out well. And the other colors, the uh, yellow and um, blue, we kind of a little hesitant about because they might be a little, a little shyer, a little, um, they will not, not really do well outside of the cage. Mm-hmm. And then I just go in and, and just check and see how they're doing, you know, kind of give them pets and, you know, how uh, when I approach them, what is their, um, what, what do they do? You know, do they kind of back up, or, or do they come forward and want attention? And yeah, you know, it's kind of kind of play it by ear and what they're doing. Okay, and there's some body language things. I've been through some trainings, but we employ that quite a bit. Yeah, like what would you say a cat who doesn't want a model is going to be doing with their body language besides the backing up? Oh, uh, you'll see it in their eyes. They'll look kind of kind of scared, and their their ears. Mm-hmm. Um, is most part, the, the girls will be standing up or, or folded down if they're really if they're really scared. Yeah, and just you know don't. Yeah, we can sometimes tell as soon as we look in the kennel, don't you think? Like, yeah. ooh, that kitty's ears are back, their eyes are dilated, they're kind of backing up into the corner, yeah. right? Yeah. Plus, if they hiss at me, <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> that's kind well. of a dead giveaway. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> then we know for sure, yeah. don't we? Yeah, and those cage cards are very nice. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is kind of our first thing that we look at. Um, and then there's some kitties who are pretty comfortable in their cage, but they don't necessarily want to be handled. So right. I don't photograph them outside of their kennel. Um, you photograph them in their kennel. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes it's kind of dark in those. Can you tell us a little bit about how you approach photographing a cat who's lounging in their little condo? Um, well, I have a... Um, uh, a flash, mm-hmm. you know, a speed light that um, I have, uh, I don't mount on the camera. I used to, but then I found it. I get much better lighting if it's off camera, off camera flash is what it's called, mm-hmm. with um, a diffuser on on the camera to kind of soften the light and kind of direct it a little more. Mm-hmm. And then it's kind of set that in the, in the, um, in the kennel and then just start taking pictures. Oh, so it's not flashing right towards the kitty. No. Right? It's kind of bouncing off one yeah, of the walls? Yeah, it's bouncing off the walls and all the, in, the inside, the, the front, the back. It's, okay. So kind of, you know, light everything. Nice. But still have a little bit of a, a little bit of shadows. That always, that always helps to kind of make it a little more, a little more dramatic. And dimension. Yeah. Don't you think? Mm-hmm. Do you find that the cats react better to that too, making your flash bounce off a wall next to them instead of straight at them? They, they seem to. Yeah. They seem to. Some actually, you know, come down and start rubbing on the flash, and they want to investigate, see what is this this thing. Oh, <laughs> oh my gosh, that's cute. Yeah. I I love that we've got our own little setups, and that you've been able to really capture them doing some cute things in their kennels. Yeah. Even because sometimes I think um, people who are trying to take those pictures in the cages. It's a quick image, maybe mm-hmm. to put up on the adoption site really quickly. So this is yeah. a nice na- way to enhance that. And when they're relaxed, um, they <laughs> sometimes they roll around on their bed and they just look so adorable. <laughs> and even if they seem like a kitty who wants to come out and it would be fine coming out, Frank and I will just look at them and go, oh, my gosh, they're just being <laughs> adorable, right? Yeah. Rolling around or stretching or playing with a little toy. Um, so you really can get some pretty great images yeah. of the cats in the kennels, don't you think? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I think it, it helps overall in um, helping them get adopted. You know, cause there, there are so many so many critters out there that people can adopt, and if they, you know, flip through the pages and they see one that just kind of grabs their heart and it's like, oh, that's so cute. Oh. I, I think that really helps. And I actually have read where some shelters, when they start getting better pictures, 
their adoption rates go up. Yes, I've heard that too. Yeah. People are starting to study that and track that a lot more. Yeah. And you know, as you know, photography is all about light. Mm-hmm. So adding that light and getting a cute expression, man, mm-hmm. that helps them a lot. And the great thing about photographing them like you do is it's more often a, a close-up portrait of mm-hmm. their face, which yeah. people can really look into their eyes, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Is that kind of how – I'm going to circle back a little bit. Like your, your studio is called Compelling Images. Is that kind of why – I put that name together uh, with uh, the thought of being able to create uh, photographs that people will not just uh, walk on by, but actually stop and look and uh, think, oh, oh, look at that. To kind of make a connection. Mm -hmm. Um, I think of one of my, um, one of my mentors, not really a mentor, but um, one of my photographers that I follow is Ansel Adams, and you can... Mm -hmm. I think all of his prints, I don't think anyone can just kind of walk by one of his prints without stopping and looking at it. Right. And I wanted to kind of, that's my, my focus. That's what I want to, pun, no pun oh, intended, so no pun intended <laughs> um, is to create images that people will actually look at and not just kind of, you know, flip through and just, you know, not paying any attention to. Yeah, that's a really good point, too, because we can talk about the technical aspects of photography, right, mm-hmm. all day, and that's a good starting point. But actually compelling someone mm-hmm. to stop for just a moment um, and take a look at maybe that adoptable cat or dog or just any picture that you yeah. take, right? I think that's amazing. Yeah, there's a technical aspects of, of uh, photography where, you know, you get the right you know shutter speed and aperture and all that stuff and get the right comp. But then there's the composition, mm-hmm. you know, how you put those together to actually create an image that people will actually uh, look at and spend time. Mm-hmm. And that's, um, there actually aren't many um, available resources to show you how to do that. Mm. I've only found like one, one or two books that actually deals with composition. Oh, and composition, not just in a technical sense, like mm-hmm. you're saying, but as something that's really striking. Right. Yeah, that draws people's attention. Yeah, like there are lots of different um, aspects to composition. For example, if you're doing um, landscape photography up in the mountains, you have clear blue sky, you know, Colorado, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, robin's egg blue and the um, aspens turning yellow. Why is that such a, uh, a striking image? Mm. It's because <clears throat> blue sky is a very cool color. Yellow is kind of a warm color. So you have a really uh, sharp contrast. If you look at the uh, the basic color wheel, they're on almost opposite ends. That's where you get the most contrast. Oh, that okay. I hadn't really thought about that. I think of color wheel sometimes when I'm trying to let people know, like maybe you should wear this color for your portraits because mm-hmm. it would, you know, offset what your dog looks like. Mm-hmm. Things like that, or these colors will look good with your eyes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but in a landscape, that's a really cool thing to look yeah. at too. Interesting. What other types of things do you like to photograph? What compels you to get oh. your camera out? Um, well, besides, you know, all my animals, um, yeah. I enjoy <laughs> photographing uh, flowers. I have a lot of perennials in, at my house, and it's kind of neat just to be able to um, go out on a, any, any particular morning and say, oh, yeah, maybe tomorrow morning this will be better, and then be able to go out. It's very convenient. And, uh, you know, to show the intricate uh, detail of a flower, you know, get a real close-up of the interior. And it's, it's very, flowers are very complex, have very complex structures and colors. True. 
And that's really accessible for people too. So anyone listening, if you think, oh man, well, I, I'm not going to go down to the cat rescue. What can I photograph and really hone in on, look at the contrast of things, go out to the flower garden, right? Yeah. 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 And, you know, I apologize at the top of the show. I didn't even ask you about your animals. <laughs> uh, Frank is obviously an animal lover. Uh, so tell us a little bit about your animals, Frank. Well, uh, I have three dogs. Mm-hmm. Um, I, let's see, starting in age, uh, I have a uh, borzoi. The borzoi used to be called Russian wolfhounds. Tell us what that would look like. What does um, look like? If you imagine a, a greyhound, okay. which is kind of a very lean, tall dog with a long coat. Mm-hmm. And kind of a Roman nose, very hmm. prominent Roman nose. So long and stretchy. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, he's about four and a half. Uh-huh. He's currently in doggy daycare right now. Yay. And uh, I also have a greyhound. Um, oh, my Borzoi's, na- Borzoi's name is Zukov. Interesting. And I have a greyhound, I think she's eight years old, named Abby. Uh-huh. And also a, an Italian greyhound named Joey. He's about 13 and a half now. And Italians look like almost mini regular Right, hounds, right? except yeah. they're not considered a sighthound, whereas the greyhounds and borzoids are considered sighthounds. Well, they're not. Those are uh, dogs that hunt by sight. Uh-huh. Um, Italian greyhounds are considered a toy breed. Aww. They're more just companions than actually any kind of working dog. You know, they're not used for hunting or anything. They're just Little, little guys. He's about 25 pounds. So he's, oh. And he's really cute. He's little. Yeah. yeah he's a little guy. Yeah. Um, and we also have one cat now. Mm-hmm. Uh, her name is Dakini. She's, she's all white. Yeah. And, uh, you know, she's doing, she's doing really well. You know, we lost our other cat, uh, Jane, um, actually last week, about a, about a week ago. Yeah, sorry to hear about that. To uh, a renal disease, which is pretty common in cats. Yeah. And she actually, Takini actually has it. She was diagnosed before our other cat, Jane, but she's oh. doing amazingly well. Oh, wow. She's got the right uh, right diet and medications, and she's a happy cat. Yeah. Oh, any any animal in your house is a lucky animal. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you. You definitely, you definitely take amazing care of them. Uh, do you photograph your animals a lot? Um, or is it more like you it's, spend it, all your time at the cat rescue? And it, it's more like you know the you know the shoemaker's kids don't have shoes yeah. kind of thing. But yeah, I I try to. Mm-hmm. I try to. They're they're fast. Oh yeah. Yeah, I've seen some where uh, Zukov the Borzoi is just zipping across the yard. <laughs> like you were lucky to get that image. Yeah, yeah, it, it's a challenge. It's a challenge photographing, uh, you know, speeding dogs. Yeah, and they're some of the fastest. So. How do you get a picture of that dog just full speed ahead outside? Um, well, my camera has, uh, well, continuous focusing on your camera. Okay. So it's always focusing on your, on your subject. And plus, instead of uh, single shutter, there's uh, a multiple shutter, high-speed shutter, oh. where it takes multiple images, you know, one right after another. That's, as you have the uh, shutter button press, it just keeps on taking pictures. Oh, yeah, the rapid fire. Yeah, rapid fire. Yeah. Okay. So continuous focus, rapid fire. Okay, that's pretty much what I would think. I, for some reason, I don't photograph a lot of super fast mm-hmm. animals. <laughs> um, and I would think maybe full sun is perfect for those images, too. Yeah, if you have a lot of light, that'll, yeah. that definitely helps. Yeah, which a lot of photography, you want them to be maybe in the shade or to control the light a lot. But if you're getting that action, you need a lot of light to freeze that, don't yeah. you? Yeah, yeah, I should use a fairly high shutter speed. Mm-hmm. I think I usually use like 
one eight hundred one eight hundredth of a second. It's probably the slowest that you do, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh gosh. Um, Oh, I know another question I was going to ask. Do you have any, and doesn't have to be necessarily pet related, but, you know, critter patter. So uh, what funny stories of photos that you've tried to take or, you know, do you have any funny photography stories? Oh, funny <laughs> photography stories. I know. I kind of rack my brain about that, too. Yeah. Oh, they're all kind of funny in their own way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, whenever you take a picture, it's always, you know, kittens are always a challenge. Yeah. they're like, you know, just as bundle of energy <laughs> just just once you get them out onto the our little little portable studio there it's just like the energy just kind of it did explode <laughs> yeah. all over the place and it's it's a real challenge trying to get them to uh stay in one spot more than <laughs> a tenth of a second that is true because a lot of times we walk in there and we're like Okay, half of them are kittens. Should we do them first or last? Because they're so quick and so high energy. You just don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, it's kind of exhausting trying to keep up with them too. <laughs> yeah. Luckily, as you know, you are you have your own pets and you understand pet behavior. You've been doing this a while. Because one of the things that we have encountered many times at the cat rescue is somehow the cat was just a little faster than us and they get escape under the kennels. Oh, I think one time we tried to coax a kitty out for at least five or ten minutes. And they have staff right there. They can come and help us, too. But that's happened on more than one occasion. (laughs) And then we're just so exhausted. You wouldn't think, like, a little three-pound kitten would exhaust you, but they sure can. Oh, yeah. 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 Yeah, this is just three pounds of just contained energy. (laughs) (laughs) And people would think, like, that's the best. Like, oh, photographing kittens. We love that. Mm. But you have to, like... Gather your wits, take a deep breath, right? Because <laughs> there's so high energy. And yeah. that's where having a team of at least two people is yeah. super helpful. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, any other photography stories? It doesn't have to be pet-related. Oh. Um, or cool projects you've gotten to work on? Well, actually, um, I am working on a, a video project um, for um, my, my Borzoi Zukov. He, he's such a neat dog that, um, as kind of a project to learn how to how to do video, both both taking and also editing it, I was going to piece together little um, segments of him running, yeah, like you know twenty or thirty second segments, um, interspersed or joined together with still photos of him, and to create like probably a two or three minute video, and then as music, use um, the last. Two minutes of the William Tell Overture, oh. which was kind of the theme music for the Lone Ranger. For anyone who remembers the Lone Ranger, <laughs> and I thought that would be kind of, kind of neat. Oh, that is a fun personal project. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I hadn't thought about doing something like that. It is good to stretch yourself a little, and if it's just your own personal project, then you don't have anyone else like art directing you or putting a timeline on it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So that's awesome. Yeah. Um, and I know you and I are both involved in uh, Camera Club, and we do all kinds of interesting things around mm-hmm. town, too. I know you, uh, we haven't even talked about this, you photograph horses quite a bit, don't oh, yeah. you? That's very different than the cats <laughs> at the cat yeah. rescue. But uh, amazingly enough, um, horses are a bit like dogs. They're like big dogs as uh-huh. far as their, their behavior. And, uh, yeah, I, I really enjoy it. I fell in, lo- fell in love with horses. Uh, you know, hunter jumpers and, uh-huh. you know, just, just photographing them. Um, you know, going through their going through their paces, and I've learned that um, it's not just a horse 
going over a jump with a rider on top. It's a real uh, synergy between the, the rider and the horse. You know, the horse has to trust the rider, that the rider knows what they're doing. And the rider needs to know the horse so that um, the rider can guide the horse through the jumps and get the horse set up properly for like the next jump. Wow! So it, it it's a lot of it's not it's not as simple as it for as it first looks. It's right. much more complex. Interesting. So you've kind of employed the same thing across all genres is really watching the behavior and mm-hmm. anticipating that moment and they're, what they're going to do. Yeah. 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 I got some advice way back when <clears throat> for photographing is, um, you know, photograph what you know. Mm. So if you are, are familiar with, um, say, you know, cat behavior, dog behavior, or horses, or even even people, you know, if you uh, know who they are and <clears throat> can kind of draw a bit from who they are, then that makes a much better photograph rather than just kind of uh, that's a simple snapshot. Yeah, that's a great tip. I wonder if that's why sometimes if you're, say, at a family function and you have a loved one taking your picture, you're much more relaxed. They know you, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So would you say one of your tips then is to say you're photographing a person and get to know that person mm-hmm. a little bit? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, of course. You know, find out their, you know, who, you know, who they are, what they do, well, what their likes are, what really gets them excited. You know, are they, they have some, some career or some hobby or something. And if you can engage them. They'll, you'll get much more um, expression out of them, and they'll feel more relaxed. Yeah, you'll really get that connection. Yeah, I, I love those tips. They go beyond the camera. Like some mm-hmm. of these things we talked about didn't involve a camera at all. No, it's yeah, getting to little. know behavior of animals or a little deeper your subjects that you're photographing. Yeah, I think those are great tips. Do you have any other tips that you would share? Like you have years of knowledge now of photography. Something like you wish you would have known five or ten years ago. Um, I guess. Um, I guess have patience with yourself. With yourself. Yeah, with yourself. You know, you're not going to take the world's greatest photograph the first time you um, pick up a camera. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, because I, I know I I get impatient with myself because I'm not taking all the the great pictures I really want to, but. I just have to re- relax a bit and say, okay, you did, they did pretty good. Here's how you can uh, do better. Yeah, so really competing with just yourself. Yeah. You know, trying to take you take a better picture than you did yesterday. Yeah. I guess the other thing is also being a little critical of, of the pictures you take. Okay. You know, you hear people say, well, I take hundreds of pictures and none of them turn out very good. Well, oh. you need to go back and look at those hundred pictures and see what you did wrong oh. and, and analyze it in, in a kind of a critical way. You know, you, oh, you chopped a person's head off, so I need to I need to move the camera a little bit differently, or I I missed this person, so you need to you know step back or or change the zoom lens a little more wide angle, or you know this exposure is way off. Oh, why? You kind of analyze it and and learn. That's how you really learn. That's a learn great by doing tip because a lot of times we just keep take keep moving forward, keep moving forward. Like this wasn't a good picture. Keep moving on. Keep moving on. But yeah, you're right though. Really looking back at your back catalog and picking it apart a little, like why mm-hmm. didn't I like that image, yeah. right? So how can I improve that next time? That's a super great tip. People could do that with their cell phone too. Oh sure, any any anything. Oh, 
I love that. I'm going to have to go back through my cell phone now. Like, how come I didn't like this picture of a flower? And, oh, maybe because I need to be lower or different time of day, right? Yeah, or depth of field was off and, you know, I I missed, you know, something. Right. Oh, that's a great tip. Oh, man, I love that. Um, Any other tips that you have? Just don't beat yourself up about it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think we do give ourselves such a hard time trying to be perfect right out of the gate. Yeah. You know, and you're right. Just pick up the camera and start start photographing because uh, you're not going to get better if you don't even start. Right? Yeah. 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 And 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 learn your camera too. Mm. Your cell phone, your cell phone camera, or or a, a digital SLR or whatever camera you're using. Get to know um, all the different features. I'm the kind of person when I get a new camera, I just like turn it on, mess with all the knobs, and go. <laughs> but I know some people, like, they really watch YouTube videos or they read the whole manual. How do you suggest people learn, or how do you learn a new piece of equipment? I probably, with um, the digital SLR, I had it on, you know, program mode, which mm-hmm. is like let the camera do do everything until I got used to actually handling it. And then I looked at the pictures that it took and what settings it used, and that's kind of learn from there let the camera kind of teach me <clears throat> and also you know youtube videos you know the internet is great for information <clears throat> there are a couple of usually one or two um you know field guides for your camera yeah. that goes beyond the, the manual the manual tends to be a little dry yeah and it's kind of you know i use that for specific things rather than learning and you know field guides tend to be a little more um verbose in explanation. True. So, okay. All right. Yeah, those are great. And it kind of goes back to what you said before. Take some pictures and look back at them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you, you have a little bit of an analytical approach to it. I think that's part of photography, too. We have this emotional attachment, but we can also have the technical side. So yeah, it's kind of left brain, right brain kind of <laughs> thing going on. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, it's been so great to talk with you today on the show, Frank. Thanks so much for being on here. If people want to know more about you, where can they find you? Uh, they can find me um, probably on Facebook is probably the best place. Uh, compelling Images Photo. Okay. That's where I post all my stuff. It's so much easier posting to there than my website. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is, right? Yeah, my website needs to be updated anyway. So. I think all of us could probably <laughs> say that. <laughs> Um, So thanks so much for being on the show today, Frank. Oh, you're welcome, Monique. That was fun. Yeah. KRFC 88.9 FM Radio Fort Collins. Critter Patter is recorded in their studios in the Music District in the heart of Fort Collins, Colorado. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Tales with Tales. I sure hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as I enjoyed recording it. If you have any feedback, send me an email at Monique, M-O-N-I-Q-U-E, at silverpawstudio.com. To see images illustrating each tale, check out my blog post at silverpawstudio.com, and of course, in the Tales with Tales Facebook group. Until the next episode, I wish you many woofs, purrs, and T-R-E-A-T-S's.